It's a wonderful day in God's house. It's good to see all of you who are worshiping with us here in person and great to have all of you who are worshiping with us online as well. I do want to take a moment to thank God for all who have led us in worship today, including our children and their leaders who work so hard. What a blessing it has been. The scripture says, and a child shall lead them. And we have experienced the blessings of that scripture in a way today. I'm excited to start a new sermon series called Songs of the Season. We're going to be looking at four songs over the next few Sundays that appear in Luke's Gospel, chapters 1 and chapters 2. Now, today I want to start with a message on Luke 1, 67 through 79, which William read so well earlier, so I will not read it again. But the title of today's sermon is Understanding the Lyrics, Zechariah's Song. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Have you ever been listening to a familiar song when suddenly you hear a certain phrase in a clear new way and you realize that you have been misunderstanding the lyrics previously? I used to listen to Huey Lewis in the news when I was growing up. And when I've heard a few of their songs in my adult life, I've realized that I misunderstood a lot of their lyrics uh, when I was younger. I'll be listening to The Power of Love from the Back to the Future soundtrack or something like that, and all of a sudden the phrase will come through crisply. And I'll understand the lyrics and the meaning of the song will be clarified for me in a whole new way. Christmas songs are misunderstood too sometimes. For example, some think the second verse of Away in a Manger says, the cattle are lonely. But it actually says the cattle are lowing. Uh, some think the Christmas song says, Yuletide carols being sung by a fire. But it actually says Yuletide carols being sung by a choir. I share that example because I admittedly messed that one up myself. Some of these misunderstandings are immaterial, but others can muddle or even misrepresent the message of Christmas. For example, some think the first Noel says, the first Noel, the angels did say, was to frighten poor shepherds. But the lyric actually says, was to certain poor shepherds. In the Bible, the angel actually says to the shepherds, do not fear. The good news of Christ is not intended 
to inspire fear, but faith. It's not intended to inspire fright, but peace. Understanding the lyrics of the songs of the season can help us to comprehend the gospel message. This is true not only of modern Christmas songs, but also of ancient Christmas songs, such as the one Zechariah sang. After being unable to speak at all for months, Zechariah was inspired by the Holy Spirit to belt out a lyrical masterpiece, a song about the salvation God brings us through Christ. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, he sang, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. The Greek term translated redeemed refers to ransoming a slave. Sin oppressed us like a cruel overlord until Christ paid the price to set us free. It's important to understand the lyrics of redemption clearly because in modern English, redemption often refers to vindicating yourself after a prior mistake. If a movie director's first film gets panned, then his second film gets nominated for Best Picture, we might say he redeemed himself. If a college student makes a D on the midterm exam, but then bounces back and makes an A on the final exam, we might say she redeemed herself. This notion of redeeming yourself has nothing to do with the gospel. The gospel is that Christ redeems us because we cannot redeem ourselves. We cannot pay the price to set ourselves free from the power of sin. We must rely totally on Christ who redeems us through his death on the cross. As 1 Corinthians 6.20 puts it, we were bought at a price. The cost was high for Christ and free for us. It was death for Christ and life for us. The tiny hands that first stretched their fingers in the manger later received the nails on a cross in order to redeem you and me. We no longer belong to sin, but we belong to God. We are set free, released, unchained, liberated from the power of sin so that we can live a life of love for God and love for neighbor. That's what salvation is. Zechariah continues singing in verse 69. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. This is the first mention of salvation in Luke's gospel, and it refers to Jesus who was born in the line of King David. Again, it's important to understand these lyrics clearly. Many expected a Savior who would bring political power over the Romans, but Christ brought spiritual power over sin 
and over death. The language of raising up a mighty Savior foreshadows how God would raise up Jesus from the dead in order to complete the divine victory over the grave. Mary's firstborn later became the firstborn from the dead. The chubby little legs kicking in the manger later stomped the power of the grave. We share this resurrection victory because we are unified with Christ through faith. In today's world, when a major sports team wins a championship, it's not only the players and coaches that get championship rings. Other members of the organization get rings as well. Trainers and equipment managers get championship rings. There have been occasions when arena employees such as seat ushers, security guards, and custodians have gotten championship rings. The 2016 World Series champion Chicago Cubs gave an official championship ring to a fan. My point is that those who officially share in the victory Go beyond those who did the work on the field of play to get the win. Likewise, Christ did the work on the field to win the victory over the grave. He conquered death all by himself and he graciously allows us to share in the triumphant victory through faith. Instead of giving us the visual symbol of a ring, we get the visual symbol of baptism. Baptism is our championship ring that shows that we are officially a part of the great victory over death. Salvation also involves the forgiveness of sins according to verse 77. It's important, again, to understand Zechariah's song lyrics clearly. The Greek term translated forgiveness here literally means release. It means that through Christ, we are released from the burden of our sins. They no longer weigh us down. They no longer hold us back from righteous living. They no longer shackle us with shame. They no longer oppress us with guilt. In modern society, people with criminal records sometimes qualify for expungement. In other words, they can go through a process to have their criminal record legally erased. For example, a man in Oregon named Tim McClure, was convicted of a felony at the age of 42. After that, he said, he lived with shame, describing it as a weight that he just could not shake off. But years later, with the help of an attorney, his criminal record 
was officially erased. It was wiped clean. When he first found out about this, he had tears of joy. And he says he still gets tears in his eyes just thinking about it. According to journalist Chris Lehman, the expungement means that Mr. McClure can now legally say he has never been convicted of a crime. Similarly, our record of sins, shortcomings, acts of unrighteousness can be expunged by divine forgiveness. Our sins of thought, sins of word, and sins of deed can be totally erased from the record books. We are eligible for this divine expungement regardless of the nature or the number of our offenses. When we put our faith in Christ, our sins are erased. We are released from the burden bearing down on us, set free by a love that keeps no record of wrongs, unburdened from the weight of guilt and turned loose from the shackles of shame. This is why Zechariah ends his wonderful song on a note of peace. He sings that Christ brings light amid darkness to guide our feet into the way of peace. Yet again, it's important that we understand these song lyrics clearly in order to comprehend the meaning of salvation. We know that Christ inspires us to relate peacefully with other people. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Yet the emphasis in verse 79 falls on internal peace, a serenity of the soul a profound sense of security and well-being in Christ. Christ came to bring us a peace that transcends all understanding, a peace that accompanies us every step of our life, a peace that abides with us in all manner of distressing situations. Christ gives us peace that goes with us into the exam at school, he gives us peace that goes with us into the job interview. He gives us peace that goes with us on the risky mission trip. He gives us peace that goes with us into the operating room. He gives us peace that goes with us to the funeral home. Some years ago when I was pastoring in another community, we received an email inquiry at church from a woman who worked at an assisted living center in town. She said they had a resident there who was requesting baptism, preferably by a Baptist pastor, and yet because his health was in such decline and his physical condition had deteriorated so much, he was unable to be completely immersed underwater. So she was asking if it might be possible for a Baptist minister from our church to come out and baptize him without putting him all the way under the water. I immediately thought about some of the early English Baptists who used to baptize by pouring water on someone's head three times, once in the name of the Father, once in the name of the Son, 
and once in the name of the Holy Spirit. So I drove out to this facility. I met the man who was requesting baptism. I met his daughter who was there with him and his dear friend who was also there. We sat down in a conference room at the assisted living place and we talked for a while. I gathered that this man was approaching death and I learned that he was 84 years old and had never been baptized. I could tell that he was seeking and his daughter and his friend were seeking on his behalf an assurance that he was redeemed, that he was saved, that his sins were forgiven and that he was at peace with God. So we talked for a while around that conference room table. We talked about faith and baptism. I asked the man about his faith, and he expressed his faith in Christ to me quite clearly. And then we got a big bowl of water and a couple of towels from the staff. I said a word about baptism from Scripture, and then I cupped my hand into the water, and I poured it on his head once in the name of the Father. Once in the name of the Son, and once in the name of the Holy Spirit. And water ran down from his bald head, through the creases in his neck, onto his clothes, onto the chair, onto the floor. As he wiped his head with a towel, his daughter wiped tears from her eyes. This man had received his championship ring. It was visually confirmed and symbolically assured that Christ had redeemed him, that Christ had given him a share in the great victory over death, that his sins were forgiven, totally erased, and that he was at peace with God, a peace that he would walk in for the rest of his life. And so it is with all who have faith in the mighty Savior, who has redeemed us because we could not redeem ourselves, who has forgiven all of our sins and wiped our record clean, and who has given us peace with God, a peace that transcends all understanding, a peace that runs down like water and gets all over us, a peace that covers us wherever we go, a peace that no one can take from us, a peace that is ours even into eternal life. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you have never put your